Thankful you're here. I'm excited about Easter. I don't know about you. Um, Easter is one of those days, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably came around for Easter or uh, or Christmas or something like that. And uh, for me, I grew up in, in church, and so like um, I, I remember dressing, my mom would always dress us up exactly alike. Actually, last year, I put all these pictures. We had this whole roll of photos of me and my brother matching exactly, as if we didn't look enough alike. My mom felt we needed to match. And uh, some people, you know, said something to me this morning, like, man, you got a, a jacket on, like, getting fancy today, because I never, I never wear jackets or anything. I'm um, actually, usually, like, the, the child, you know, the, the child matches the dad, but I'm actually matching my child today. He wanted to wear the jacket, his mom wanted to wear the jacket, so I'm matching him today. So, uh, excited about today. Uh, I grew up, just come to church, and for many of us, it's it's just a day. It's just a day to kind of come and, and get dressed up and, and do the church thing, uh, do the religion thing, and it, it's far more than that. And the truth of the matter is that every single one of us are on a journey of faith. Like, we, you believe in something. You believe in something, and it may or may not be true. It may or may not be real. It may, not, may or may not have kind of factual basis or reason or faith behind it. But you, you throw your weight and faith into something. We all do. And today's a day where Many times when we come on, on, on days like this, I, I've even found myself turning to different portions of Jesus' life and death. Um, but today's really about the resurrection. Uh, it, it's really about Jesus rising from the dead, this incredible story. And for, for some of us, maybe even of the faith and believers in the house, and maybe even some of us that have um, you know, kind of grown up around it, I think sometimes it just seems too supernatural to be real. Uh, sometimes it can get caught into the fairy tale that we make everything else with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and everything else kind of it gets caught into this fairy tale land and not the reality that this man lived and he died and he was truly resurrected and uh, I, I don't want you to take my word for it and uh, but what we know about the scriptures if you've ever studied the scriptures that and even like there's been texts that have actually been found uh, of just like the earliest manuscripts we have are, are so very close to when this all happened of the New Testament. So these are like real life accounts. And so I wanted to turn our attention uh, away from kind of uh, everything that we usually kind of can jump to and, and maybe even the, the death and resurrection which deserves or the, the death and the trials and all those things which deserve our attention and devotion and worship um, furthermore. But I wanted to turn our attention completely to these people that Jesus appeared to, right? Isn't that who you would kind of want to talk to and see their experience? Because what I know about every single one of us, no matter what we believe in, no matter what you're going through, is that we're all on a journey. We're on a faith journey of some sort. We're throwing our weight and our faith into something. We're believing in something. And uh, I, I thought in this kind of journey of faith, realize for these people that had believed in Jesus while he was walking around and preaching and doing miracles, when they saw him resurrected and they physically saw this with their eyes and touched him and, and went through that, that was a journey of faith to realize. So I really want to talk about that today. As I was beginning to study this, I saw a text that I had never seen before. Because many times when we think about Jesus appearing... Um, after his resurrection, we think of him appearing to his disciples. Some of you that have read the story or been around it, you, you, you know that he appeared to uh, these women. Uh, he appeared to a few women, Mary um, uh, and a couple others. And, and, and we can kind of you know, think back through some of those things. But I never saw this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, that is so compelling to us today. After that, 
Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and he's writing this letter to them and just encouraging them and reminding them that Jesus rose from the dead. You remember this? And he appeared to all these people. You can look at the rest of the text as well. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul is writing this decades after uh, Jesus has, has died and was resurrected. He's writing this decades later. And he's saying, there were more than 500 people, and he lists off other people, James and a bunch of others that Jesus appeared to. And he drops this in here, and I don't think ever in my mind, in my study, I've actually picked up on this one verse, that Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time. And Paul, decades later, is saying, most of them are still living. Like, if you forget, if you want to really know, I mean, this is literal text that happened, and he's saying, I mean, if you were trying to hide, like, some secretive thing where they stole Jesus' body, or if they kind of made, you know, some kind of claims that were out like that. Why in the world would he say, look, not there's five or six, go ask these people who are really on the inside. There's 500 people out there, more than 500 people that actually saw this. You know them. They're still alive. Go ask them yourself. Like he's literally saying, if you're not sure, go ask. So I want us to move beyond today this place of this is um, some kind of fairy tale um, kind of story, but this is something that really happened and the, the compelling arguments of Scripture are so powerful. The book of Acts, uh, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, is written from Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he's writing to the most excellent Theophilus, who is some kind of man of influence. And his whole argument in Luke, uh, in the Gospel of Luke and in Acts, the, uh, the record of the Acts, um, is just a compelling argument. And he's saying, look, I've put forth all these compelling arguments together that are more than clear that this really happened. And this is not kind of Joe Schmo on the side of the road, you know, him trying to convince him. He's talking to uh, most excellent Theophilus, who is some man of influence, some ruler who really would do his research and is going to, he wants to believe he's interested, but he wants to know, he wants to really know what this is about. And he wants to know the facts. And so today I, I really want to unpack kind of these stories, and I'm not going to go through all of them, uh, and I'm not going to do it in kind of super spiritual, super theological deep terms that will lose um, some of us in the sauce, but I, I really want to just talk about this in a way that every single one of us um, can, can relate. There's these 12 encounters that Jesus, um, up, uh, that we find in the scriptures, Jesus appearing to Mary, Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome and Joanna, Peter, two disciples on the road. There's these 12 different accounts we have across six different books that Jesus appeared to pe uh, people, and one of those is over 500 people. There's all these accounts, and they're across all kinds of different people writing these things, and so many different people, that these were literally people who saw Jesus, who some believed and some doubted, and some saw him, and some worshipped, and some still doubted. And there was this journey that all these people had been on, and now that faith is just being realized and being challenged. So for some of us, I believe today is going to be a day in which our faith, the things we put our faith and trust in, will be challenged. And then for others, I believe today is going to be a day where it's realized. And, and God begins to, uh, we hear him calling uh, our name today. So as we unpack this uh, a, a little bit, I, I just want to begin to talk um, to us about kind of this journey that we all go through. And I, I think it all starts for, um, with a deposit of faith. Romans 12 verse 3 says this. Romans 12 verse 3, I think we have it up there. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. You say, well, pastor, that's not like a, that's not a resurrection text, but I, I want you to notice this. This is where I want to start today, is that God has distributed faith to each one of us. He's placed a seed in our heart that's been planted. Maybe that was a, a seed that came through a grandma or it came through a church service sometimes or an incredible encounter with God, but he has distributed that, that faith to each one of us. And so he, he's saying that don't look at this like this is all about you, but that God started this, that God reached out and God put faith in side of you. And, and, for, and don't worry about the size of that. Sometimes we worry about the size of that deposit, the size of that seed. And for, it's different for each one of us. And he's saying, don't, don't get boastful just because you have more like, faith than someone else. And some of us, we look down on kind of maybe the faith we have. We're like, man, I don't believe a whole lot. And Jesus, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a single mustard seed. It's this kind of Asian, this Chinese um, plant, this eastern plant mustard seed, not like the little mustards that we'd eat here in the West. But it, it's planted and it grows so fast. And Jesus said, if you only have faith like that, that's what the kingdom's like. So don't look down on the size of the seed. Because Jesus said, that's all you need. He said, that's all you need is just that little bit of faith to be planted in the ground. We looked at, at Romans chapter 12 as Jesus is entering Jerusalem for the last time. We looked at that last week. And it said that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, then it produces many seeds. And, and so today, some of us, we, we need to kind of swallow pride. And, and some of us, we, we need to kind of set old kind of ways behind us and, and really allow ourselves to truly believe and not look down on just the size of the seed. If it's just a little bit of um, a seed, we just need to exercise it. I got back in the gym this week. Everybody give it up for me. I'm just kidding. Um, it's about time, right? So I got back in the gym this week, and um, uh, I, you, what you realize when you go back in the gym is that it's not as easy as you want it to be, right? Um, and that to really get some gains, as the bros say, right, to get some gains, you've really got to break some things down. You've really got to push through some pain, and, and I don't know kind of what you're going through and what you've got going on, but I'm, I'm sure for every single one of us, we, we've got to exercise that faith if it's going to grow. Like, I, I, I can't just expect to kind of lay in my bed and just hope, you know, my, sit, my half a sit-up in the morning, my half a sit-up at night to lay down is really going to get those massive gains, but that I'm going to have to actually exercise what I've got in order for it to grow, Right? And so I, I don't know that the faith that you have like, ne will necessarily be kind of, God's not going to take it away from you, but it has to be exercised, and it has to, to be moved. So don't look down on the size of the faith that you have my, right now. Just whatever it is, whatever that small step that you need to exercise that faith today, maybe that's saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Maybe that's saying, hey, I heard about these anchor groups. There's places where it's like a safe environment to connect with people in homes during the week. Maybe that's what that kind of small kind of step of faith is. I don't know what that step of faith is for you today, but whatever that size of faith that God's distributed to you, exercise it today. You, you can't expect it to grow without exercising it. And so that deposit of faith is really where I, I wanted to, to start today. I think for all of us, there comes a, a time in our life where we have an experience 
and we have to make a decision. We have to make a decision. We've been encountered with uh, a real experience. Uh, most of you know about Saul, uh, and he was one, probably one of the last ones that Jesus appeared to. Saul, who's Paul, who wrote the text that we were just reading. He wrote that way before he was, you know, Mr. Preacher Man, Mr. Church Planner Man. Um, he was closer to being an ISIS member than he was being a Christian pastor, okay? Because he was persecuting Christians. Um, not just a little bit, but like he was the one who was responsible, like, hey, let's find every Christian and we're going to have them killed. Like that kind of persecution. Not like making fun of them, but like literally bringing them and watching them killed under his watch. Like, I know a lot of times we can worry about our sins and, like, and stuff. Anyway, that's a whole other deal. He's on the road to actually look for more Christians to, to kill in Acts chapter 9. And Saul has this divine inter- interruption by Jesus. Jesus appears to him, and Saul goes blind. He goes blind. I, I, I've never been blind before, uh, but there was one time when uh, my mouth was filled with sores, and I couldn't speak for several days. Um, and it was crazy. It was such a crazy week. I, I had some kind of reaction to something. I think it was actually the week I met my wife, which it turned out good. Uh, God was really wanting to shut me up. He knew if I, if I met her and I could run my mouth, then things would not work out like they were supposed to, so he had to shut me up so I wouldn't say too much. Um, so he, uh, in, in that week, I, I, I've never lost my sight, but I did, I did lose my ability to speak, and so I found myself, you know, um, just struggling through that. It was such a difficult week for me. And, and, and Saul goes blind, completely blind. And he has to really kind of navigate and, and deal with this experience that he had, right? And for every single one of us, I think at some point we're going to come into an encounter of an experience. And, and there's going to be a, a calling. There's going to be a drawing there from the Lord. And, and what we see there is that Jesus calls him to obedience, an immediate act of obedience, to be baptized, to go to this city where I tell you to go. Uh, you don't get to make the rules, and that's part of that humility. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. He started this, right? And, and so we begin to, to realize that he's doing this. He's drawing us. He's in charge. And when he calls me to obedience, I just need to respond. I just need to exercise that faith. So it's followed by a call to obedience, but it's also called to a, a call to ministry, that he doesn't say, hey, I mean, can you believe this? I mean, just think about it. One day, this guy's persecuting Christians, killing Christians. Jesus calls him to obedience and says, all right, I got ministry for you, right? For, for most of us, we're like, hey, there's a, he really needs to go through a restoration process, right? He really needs to go through some time in the church where he's discipled. Let's give him three to five years. Let's get him under a strong man that can lead him and teach him what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus calls him into obedience and sends him into ministry, right? Kind of, a, kind of way out of our kind of uh, normal things, but every single one of us come to a place where a real experience, a divine interruption happens in our life, and we have to make a decision towards obedience and towards, um, and towards ministry, which is what happens for Saul, and, um, and God changes his name, he ch- or Saul changes his name, and he's, he's no longer identified by Saul. He didn't want to be identified by the old life, but that experience changed him. And so he said, I'm not going to go by my old name anymore, because everybody knows me as the killer on that side. I'm going to go by my new name. It's probably a good idea, right? Um, and so every single one of us have to deal with that. There, there's an experience in our life. And for Saul, he saw Jesus. He was one of the places that Jesus appeared to him. 
uh, experience is, is the second thing in this journey of faith realized. Uh, the, the third one, um, you may say, is a little bit interesting. Let's go to John chapter, I think it's John chapter 20, um, verse 9, I believe. And, and so Jesus is appearing to people. Um, there should be one before that, John chapter 20, verse 9, hopefully. Maybe I didn't put it up there. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 9. And what we find is that Jesus comes to them, and some didn't believe. Some were struggling. No, 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 that's not it. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll read it. John chapter 20, verse 9. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, this is verse 8, also went inside. He saw and believed. I love that verse because uh, it's kind of funny because John is writing this, the Gospel of John. And listen listen to verse 8 again. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, he's talking about himself because he's always considered the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, also went inside. He saw and believed. Uh, They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They still didn't understand that this was a fulfillment of Scripture, even in their belief. Like, they believed, but they didn't totally get everything. So in our journey to faith, like some of us in the room, like we disqualify ourselves and we push ourselves away from the, the call of God and the drawing of the Spirit for so many reasons. And some of us, it's like, I don't understand enough. Like, I'm, I'm, we don't, we will never call ourselves ignorant, but we'll say, I don't know, I don't get it, I don't understand uh, and that's true, but that's not a, a reason for us to not um, be called into God's kingdom and into his work. So it's okay if you don't understand everything. It's really, it's not about us understanding everything. It's really about us coming into relationship with a God who does. And so if you're in that place today, and you're like, hey man, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this. And maybe you can call me a skeptic. You can call uh, me what you want, but I, I'm struggling to, because I feel like there's so much I don't understand. I feel like I'm ignorant of a lot of things. And every single one of us are ignorant about, about things. We have a shadow side. The scriptures say we know in part now, but one day we'll know fully even as we are fully known. God knows us fully, and one day we will know fully when we see him face to face on his return. And so uh, it's about us coming into relationship with a God every single day who does understand it, right? Sometimes in life we can just kind of get caught up in our own head Anybody a heavy thinker, right? Think too much about life and trying to wrap your brain around things and understand everything and you can never make a step until you understand everything. And look, it, they didn't even understand it. Jesus in front of them, they didn't even understand that all, all the, um, what this was about, but they believed and they put their faith in Jesus. It's called faith for a reason. And some of us, we like the idea of faith and it's pretty kind of suit coats and dresses on Easter Sunday. We like the idea of faith, but when it really comes to doing anything that resembles faith, nah, man, I'm good, right? Like we like faith like we like our coupon card that we get to pull out and use it when we want at the, at the ice cream shop. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? I like ice cream. <laughs> we like it like that. We don't like it in this thing that, man, we're challenged every day to move way outside of our comfort zone. Like that's what faith is. I mean, I think of, of, of Peter being called to like step out on the water and just like how kind of insane of a real commitment that was. Like, come on, you're kind of committing to it, right? And so many of us, we want to kind of straddle the fence. We do. We want to straddle the fence between this thing of faith, but also kind of doing what we want, right? We want Jesus to take away our sins, but we want to be able to call the shots. We want him to be Savior, but we'd rather be Lord, 
We straddle the fence, and what the scriptures tell us is that, that God's not okay with that. that that's kind of considered lukewarm, and that he's going to spew the lukewarm out of his mouth. That that's not okay. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. There's not like a, a half Christian or a Facebook Christian. And like, you know what I mean? There's no such thing. It's either you believe or you don't. And so like I said, I'm going to challenge some of that journey and that faith that we're believing in something. And we need to make a decision today, really what we believe in. God's challenging that. And it's okay if you don't understand everything. But God is going to bring us into faith and truly making faith what it's about. Ignorance and understanding. They didn't, even, they didn't even understand that Jesus was really had resurrected. This was a, whole, a big part of it. Uh, the next thing I think that's a part of many of our journeys is um, doubt and belief. Doubt and belief. Um, anybody ever identify with the, the disciple Thomas? You know, he was called Doubting Thomas. I think uh, many of us in the room can probably identify with him because he had Sincere doubts, and he was a skeptic, if you could say it like that. Um, John 20, 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So he appeared to everybody else. I think there's something really unique about this, that Jesus would appear to the rest of the disciples without him. Talking about being an outsider, right? And then he's coming, he's the one that's doubting. You know, later he'd be called Doubting Thomas. Um, and then Jesus has this kind of special moment with Thomas. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand, and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then uh, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So he's meeting Thomas right where he's at. Sometimes we feel like our, our, our doubts can kind of you know, you ever wonder what's God thinking about my doubting, right? And we think it just kind of pushes us away. You know, we feel like God might be offended by our doubts and by our questions and by our struggles. You ever feel like that? But here Jesus shows God's Son, fully God, perfect representation of God. Doesn't chastise him. He doesn't embarrass him in front of the others. He literally walks through a wall to meet Thomas right where he's at and says, look, I'm here. These scars are for you. And so I don't know kind of what, what you've gone through or where you're at today, but Jesus will literally walk through a wall to meet you right where you're at today. There was a time not too long ago um, where I heard people, I, I kind of, when I go back to that, um, that text and I heard people like telling testimonies of like incredible things God had done, and the more I heard them talking about that, you know, I kind of think of this with the disciples where they're saying, we saw Jesus, it was amazing. He's like, thanks, wish I could have been there, would have been nice. Um, well, I had one of these encounters where, where people are, are all kind of testifying and saying these amazing things about what God's done, and I found myself in the moment just getting angry about it because I know that I was struggling to believe that God could do these things. 
And I, I just saw myself getting angry and angrier, and I had to look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, dude, something's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with them. Like, you're the one that's got the issues, and you're the one that's struggling to believe, and why don't you just open your heart to what God wants to do in your life? And Thomas had to do that, and Jesus met me where I was, and Jesus is, wants to meet us where we're at today. So bring your questions, bring your junk. Like, Jesus is not afraid of it. He, he will literally walk through walls to meet you right where you're at. He appeared to Thomas. Again, these are all people and circumstances. And when Jesus appeared after the resurrection to people on their journey of faith, and things would never be the same, he calls them my Lord and my God, both Savior and Lord, not just Savior, oh, thank God, like my sins are washed away. No, like all of it. Like you're my Lord. You have master over my life. You, you have sovereignty over my life. So doubt and belief. Jesus meets us in those. He doesn't turn us away. Um, I'm, I'm beginning, beginning to close. A couple more things. The journey of faith, um, and this is one that, that hits home as much as doubt and belief does, but it's failure, right? On every single one of our journey uh, of faith is failure. Uh, but not just failure, but restoration, that, that Jesus doesn't leave us that way. Obviously, when we begin to think about the text and the people that Jesus appeared to, we think of Peter because he failed kind of brilliantly, right? I mean, pretty epically, he failed. Jesus told him, hey, you're going to fail. <laughs> hey, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, not me, Jesus. Not me, one of those other scrubs, but not me. Like, I'm your good disciple. You said I'm going to build a church, right? You're gonna, I'm going to be your guy. Kind of prideful. You ever been prideful? Like, that'll never happen to me. You ever look at other people and be like, oh, point fingers? Kind of goes back to that Romans 12. Don't look at yourself more highly than you ought. Kind of goes back to that. Peter failed epically. Some of you know the story that, that Peter's, you know, one of the disciples, as Jesus is going, uh, he's been arrested uh, in the garden. Peter cuts off a dude's ear. Jesus zaps it back on. Heals the man, says, that's not how my kingdom's going to be. We're not coming in here with swords and weapons to take over. It's going to be different. Jesus prophesies this over um, Peter, that he's going to you know, deny him three times, and Peter does indeed deny him three times. But as that's happening, there's, I think there's something that can be learned about our failures and how that happens and prevent us from those failures. If I could give you just a couple things from the life of Peter that would help us not fail, would you take those today, like just to not fail? Um, there's three things that happen, that, that failure happens uh, when, one, we distance ourselves, when we distance ourselves. Peter had distanced himself from the other disciples in this journey. He was alone, even though he was in a crowded place, he was not with his people, his, the people of faith. He was not with the disciples. So when we distance ourselves from the people that are really encouraging us, we find ourselves really vulnerable to failure. Um, secondly, when we distance, uh, not only when we uh, distance ourselves, but the second one, you can throw it up there, uh, when we're selfish. What we find Peter doing is uh, that he was sitting around a fire, and he was warming himself. While Jesus is literally being dragged and being arrested and about to go to the cross, he's more worried about his warmth than he's worried about this guy that he spent day in and day out with. He's more worried about his own personal comfort in that moment. And right now, some of us are even thinking through this, and that, man, some of our failures that have happened, it's happened because I kind of pushed people away, right? Isn't that what we want to do when we find ourselves slipping and when we find ourselves hurting? We just want to push people away. 
um, he was selfish. He just was caring about himself. So if you really want to get yourself into a, a place of, uh, of, of success, um, then, then don't be selfish, I guess. Don't be so focused on yourself. Failure happens when we distance ourselves, uh, when we're selfish, and lastly, when we're ashamed. When we're ashamed. He didn't... <laughs> Sometimes, like... I'll follow you, Jesus, but there's a line, right? Even if we'll never say there's a line, there's a line in which, like, I believe, I just don't believe that much, right? And, and Peter had to kind of get real here, and people are, are, are asking him, aren't you the guy? You're, you're with Jesus. And he's, no, no, that's not me. He's constantly ashamed. And, and God wants to, to use us, and he doesn't leave us in those failures. Jesus appears to Peter, he doesn't just leave him in these, you know, failures that took place and look like, that could be the end for Peter, right? I mean, this, I mean, Judas failed too, right? And, and he delivered, you know, he took money to, you know, uh, turn Jesus in of where he was. And Ju- what did Judas do? Judas went off and killed himself, right? He, he failed. And then here Peter fails and it was like publicly prophesied that he was going to fail. And then he does. He's like, oh, he told me this was going to happen. And like, I did it. Um, but Jesus doesn't leave him like that. This, the, the story could have been different, but Jesus meets him after the resurrection, and he comes to him, and he restores him and calls him back into the ministry. He says, it does, I'm not going to leave you in this shape. Just because you fail, just because you've messed up royally, does not disqualify you from being a child of God and being called into his kingdom. You're not qualified because of your success, and you're not disqualified because of your failure. It's called grace. You're not disqualified because of your failure. Peter messed up royally in this. He was ashamed. He distanced himself. He was selfish. He was focused on his own warmth, and he was his Lord going to the cross. Jesus comes to him, and he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. He calls them into this, and he asks them, and this may be a question that I think Jesus is looking many of us in the face. He asks them three times, the same exact amount of times that he denied them. He said, do you love me? He said, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Of course, John 21 here. You know I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. He says, do do you love me? And he says, Jesus, you know I love you. Okay, take care of my lambs. And then thirdly, he asks him again. By this time, all of us, you ever been asked the same question three times in a row? Like, it'll tick you off, right? My son keeps asking me the same questions like 50 times in 30 minutes. And I'm like, bro, so help me, Heavenly Father. Like, <laughs> do not ask me, Daddy, 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 Father, Father. Like, all right, bro chill out. Stop asking me the same exact question. Well, it, it, it annoys us, and Peter is obviously getting annoyed. Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And this time he asked me, you know, he, he uses two different Greek words, his phileo, phileo, which means just kind of a general kind of love for one another, like a friend. Um, and then lastly, he asked, do you agape? Do you, do you love me with the Father's love? Do you love me deeply and fully as I love you and just gave my life for you? And was just do you love me deeper? And, and I think today, if we were just kind of put ourselves in the mirror and know that Jesus is asking that and look ourselves in the mirror, 
Do you love them? Okay, you love them with a friendship love. You love them with a Sunday kind of love. But, but do you love them when it, it's, it's cold? And do you love when the night's dark and when people are out to kill you? Do you love me? And he points him to ministry. Okay, then do it. Then live it. Stop talking about it and start Start doing it, right? Let's stop just being people that kind of fill the rows and stop being people who like say we believe, but yet we have no steps of faith. We, we, we don't touch the broken. We don't touch the poor. We don't feed the lambs. We don't take care of the sheep. God's calling us to truly walk that out. Even if we fail, we're not disqualified because of our failures, and we're not qualified because of our success. It's grace. <sighs> Lastly, uh, today, I, I, one of my favorite uh, kind of kind of pictures that we see of what happened um, in this the last point of Revelation is when Jesus uh, appears to, to Mary, and, and I want to read this text. We, we've just been kind of grabbing snippets here, and I, I want to I read through this um, because I think it's beautiful, and just this simple, simple picture we see, simple takeaway I want to give us. Uh, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. At this this is actually a common theme. We see this with the two disciples walking to Emmaus. Um, there are people, even when they see Jesus, they're not sure. Like, can this almost feel like you're seeing a ghost? But so many times Jesus eats. He physically eats. They, people literally touch him. He was fully, like, alive and human, like, body. It wasn't like a ghost walking around, right? But, but people were having to struggle. Like, it's hard. You, know, you ever see somebody in a place, like, you, you didn't see them, and you're like, wait a second. Yeah, it was one of those situations. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried away, carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll, I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that uh, he had said these things to her. Go back to verse 16. Um, what I love about this picture that we see of, of Mary just, first of all, just weeping at the tomb over the loss of her friend, and one she loved, but her Lord, her teacher, her rabbi, she's weeping, and, and she thinks that Jesus is a gardener, for crying out loud. And s- some of us, like even in this room, we, we might not look like, you know, look at Jesus like he's a gardener, but we're not looking at him like he's Lord and Savior either. It might be Jesus is my homeboy. It might be, you know, the figure on the cross. It might be the fairy tale. It might be the angry, white-bearded man with the lightning bolts. 
right? Might not be a gardener, it might be something like that. And my favorite thing in all the stories of just these incredible encounters of people seeing Jesus literally resurrected is when he says her name, Mary. It gets real clear real quick. She knew exactly who he was. And there's a lot of people in here. We're a lot of different places in our journey. Some of us are doubting. Some of us are hurting. Um, some of us are, are believing, believing, yet we just don't understand and we feel like you're, we're ignorant of a lot of things. But all of us have a, a time in our life where Jesus will call our name and open our eyes. I'm praying that day is today for you. That you hear Jesus calling your name. You hear a tugging. The, the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, after Jesus actually revealed himself to to them, they said, we felt something burning in us. We knew, we knew you weren't just some random guy walking with us down the street. We knew that there was something burning inside of us the whole time. And, and like today, I just know that in some of us, like something's burning and we don't know what it is and we feel ignorant and we feel disqualified because of our failures and we don't feel like this, is, this Jesus thing is for me. But what I know is, is none of that stuff matters of you not understanding or what you've gone through, what you've failed on. What does matter is that he calls your name. And at that, our eyes are open and there's revelation that he is who he said he was. It's one of the famous lines that came out many, many years ago that Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. We, we got to make a decision. He's one of them. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he really Lord? If you're looking at the scriptures, if God's burning in your heart, then know that he's calling you today to confess him as Lord and Savior. First John 1, uh, verse nine just gives us a very simple picture of what that looks like. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. He'll weed out our wrong thoughts. He doesn't say, hey, once you get it all together, then you're invited to the table. He says, confess your sins. Know that this isn't about your perfection, it's about his perfection. He said, and I'm going to purify out all the unrighteousness. I'm going to pu purify out all the wrong thinking, all the wrong actions. I'm going to do that. I'll forgive. You won't have to work off your forgiveness because you'll be working a long, long time, and you'll never get there, right? That's what the law, that's what the Old Testament pointed us to is that we cannot stand under this. We are not good enough on our very best day, but it's only by Jesus. It's only by his bloodshed on the cross, his death and resurrection. He's calling us to faith today, so I ask you to stand with me all across the house. Um, and we're going to do something now that we do each and every week where we, um, we come to the, the table in just a few moments. Um, but before we do, I, I just want to, to give instructions in this time. Uh, and if, look, if you're in the house and... Um, you hear him calling your name or maybe you've heard it before and you've just been doubting and, and maybe you've been straddling that fence and God's calling you to faith um, I'd love an opportunity to pray with you today um, 
but this is a decision between you and the Lord. And, and maybe you look at that faith and you're like, man, I don't know. I just got a little bit. And Jesus says, that's all you need. Just exercise it today. He's calling us to faith today. I want to pray with you. Wherever you're at in the house, we're all on a different journey of faith, just like these literal hundreds of people that Jesus appeared to. They were all in so many different places. Some had failed, some doubted, some were running the other way, like Saul. And Jesus met them. There was a divine interruption. So I want to pray for us today, wherever you're at. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you're good and you invite us. You invite us to come. You literally step through walls to meet us in our doubts. God, when we're, we feel so disqualified, when we feel so unworthy, you wrap us in your arms and you love us and you say our name and you open our eyes, God. God, and I pray for the person in this house, God, that their eyes have never been opened, spiritually eyes never been opened. I pray that they'd be opened as you call their name today. God, I pray today that you're drawing every heart to make a bold step of faith in our life. That's our prayer. It's our prayer, God. Call us out today.